Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Charlize Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. Listen, whether it's your first time or you're planning to revisit all your favorites, follow the Bill Simmons podcast, the interviews on Spotify right now. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select dates. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Cannabis. Kevin! Birdo! What's going on, man? We got some breaking news today, huh? We do have some breaking news. We are recording this on Thursday night, and it has just been announced that DeAndre Ayton is going to remain a Phoenix Sun after an offer sheet was proposed to him by the Indiana Pacers for four years and $133 million. He signed said offer sheet. And within about two seconds, the Phoenix Sun says, okay, now you got your contract. (laughs) That was fast. (laughs) Yeah. And so now DeAndre Ayton has to act excited about (laughs) being back in Phoenix after this has been kind of a mess. It did get a little, uh, it got tense, you know, looking at the quotes throughout last year. He clearly had a level of disappointment in that they could not come to an agreement last offseason coming off of an NBA Finals. He looks around, he sees the guys in his draft class, he sees Luka Doncic, and he sees Trey Young, and he sees 
you know, Jaron Jackson and some other guys signing extensions, some of them huge extensions. They don't want to give him five years. Um, they, I suppose, cannot come to an agreement on four years. And so they played the card of go get your offer and then we'll see from there. And I do think that, you know, it sends a signal. The Phoenix Suns window is right now. You know, there was some talk, especially after their flame out, that maybe that window had passed. I don't buy that. They won eight more games, I think, than everybody in the NBA. I know it ended disastrously um, for Aiton and for the Suns last year. But this is a team that went to the finals two years ago, down to the end, and it took all time, Giannis, to knock them out. Yes, this past year ended very, very poorly, but as they were currently constructed, that's a great basketball team. And so losing DeAndre Ayton for nothing, especially if you couldn't find a sign-and-trade, there was just no way you could let that happen and just not have anything to show for it. So they are now signing him to that deal that Indiana offered him. Probably going to be some resent uh, from the Aiton side on this, but what do you make of it? The way it all played out and kind of the decision that Phoenix made. He can't be trading until January 15th, right? So <laughs> he's a son. He's a son next year, at least for the foreseeable future. I mean, they, they took it slow. Sarver had his meeting preseason with him. Didn't pay him then. Didn't pay him straight out of the gates in free agency because they, you know, they're flirting with Kevin Durant. And finally, Aiton gets that offer sheet from Indiana. And I think for the Phoenix Suns here, the only other alternative might have been to trade for, say, Miles Turner. Uh, like, like whether it was a sign and trade with Aiton or whether it was some other salaries involving Landry Shamit, Dario Saric, and draft picks to, to compensate for Turner and his value. So, I mean, maybe that were the alternatives for Phoenix. And ultimately, they decided, hey, Better off bringing back our 23-year-old center who helped lead us to an NBA Finals and then followed up with a 60-plus win season. I mean, it, it's not a bad choice by any means, even if they feel like internally, internally, Aiton might be overpaid a bit um, for his role on the team and given how much he needs to be pushed to constantly hustle and bring it on the floor from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So for the Suns here, I, I'm happy that they're able to run it back. Um but it also doesn't rule out them doing something big with Aiton January 15th and beyond. And maybe in February, we're talking about that exact thing. The team that did want to sign him to that contract. You, We know now, Indiana, and especially you look at their timeline and you look at the guys that they have on their roster. He fits. 20, 22 through 24. Yeah, when you saw people you know, putting up the graphics of what it would look like at the ages of that team, it made sense. He certainly would fit their timeline, but we know they have grand interest in him. They, You know that they would like to attain him. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that this is revisited, and we're having an episode in February talking about, hey, is it going to be Miles Turner? What could they end up with in Phoenix if they're going to augment what they're doing? Who knows what's going on with Phoenix? You never know the way injuries are going to play out. You don't know what kind of Aiton you're going to get. Because now you have put a fortune in his pocket and you didn't get what you wanted out of him totally. Certainly not at the end of last year. You had that dust up with Monty. That was pretty embarrassing at the end of the year. Um, 
And I can imagine he probably doesn't have the greatest feelings about Phoenix right now. It's an interesting case because I don't want to come off like I'm defending Aiton. On the other hand, it's a very difficult way to do business, I think. And I know some laud this, but in Phoenix, you know, when you tell somebody, hey, go see what somebody else will pay you. And if they'll pay you that, then we'll pay you that. I think it's a tough way to go. And there is some reference point for this. And it's because it's I'm talking about this because it's this particular owner and our own uh, Raja Bell, who does an outstanding job with our buddy Logan Murdoch on The Real Ones. He told a story earlier in the year about Robert Sarver. When all that Sarver stuff came out, he was telling different stories about him. And one of the ones he told was that he went to a dinner with Robert Sarver. And so I, I, you, I've got to admit, I'm viewing this situation through the prism of the Raja story about Sarver. So Raja Bell was on some great Phoenix teams. He was a grinder, a heart and soul guy, a defender, had laid it on the line, fan favorite, all, all, all the stuff, right? So he said, look, I want to be in Phoenix. I want to be in Phoenix. I want to be a part of this. Uh, my wife and I are going to have kids. I want to buy a house. I want, I want to be a part of this. And I want to be a part of this going forward. And there's the market out there that is for me right now. Um, and I do think that I deserve to get a raise and I'd like to get a raise. And then I'd like to sign an extension and dedicate to you guys. And he said, Robert Sarver looked across him at the table and he said, I agree with you. I agree with you. You should be getting paid more. But I'm not going to do it. And Rajah Bell was like, what? And he goes, I'm not going to do it. You know why I'm not going to do it? Because I don't have to. <laughs> like, that's the guy that you're dealing with. And so I sit there and think DeAndre Ayton has to be like, F this guy. F this franchise. Oh, he, might, he, this he, might be he might be gone soon anyway, though. I mean, he's getting his money. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's the, true. The, for what it's worth, Adam Silver did say a day ago that he's that they're in the last stage of the investigation for Robert Yeah, Sarver. well, look, for the NBA's sake, here's hoping the guy is gone. There's no question. Here's hoping the guy's gone. But I oh, do well, know... For, for, for Suns fans' sake. <laughs> I just think it's... I also Suns think... Suns fans are the ones who want him out. I also think for, for Paul, for Booker especially Monty, for them to be able to succeed at the level that they've been able to succeed despite the organization's leader and the stuff that has come out of him and the, uh, and the distractions, and then just knowing the way he conducts business and hearing those stories is truly phenomenal, really. It's not easy. It's hard to succeed if you've got an owner that can actively hurt your mission. And in this Aiton case, I guess we'll never know who feels what, but I, I just always have that in the back of my head of I'm I, the reason I'm not going to pay you is because I don't have to pay you. And I think about that when I think about, hey, you know, oh, Indiana signed an offer sheet. All right, fine. Now I'll pay him the $133 million. I just don't think that's the way you should conduct business if you want to engender loyalty and your players to want to play for your franchise, right? It's tough. I mean, look, 
it's as tough as it can be when you're making 133 million dollars. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry that much for it. Yeah, <laughs> you um, know, yeah. it just sucks. It sucks not to feel like you are valued. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Go get your offer somewhere else. Yeah. So they did. Yeah, he did. Now time to, you know, put on your big boy pants and go play with your teammates and try to win a championship. You know, yeah. might be a different owner, might be a different boss anyway, you know, this coming year for DeAndre. Yeah. And for him, I mean, more than anything, so like this, you're getting paid. Now is an opportunity to prove yourself and who you are and who you can become. You're 23 years old. You're going back to a team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You, and Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, so much talent on that team still. And you know, you know that even your own franchise that drafted you with the first pick ahead of Marvin Bagley and Luka Doncic. Yep. <laughs> you know how much they value you uh, despite these negotiations back and forth. So now is your chance for as DeAndre Ayton to continue doing the things that they ask of you at the highest level possible while also, you know, progressively expanding your game and showing that you're going to be even worth more the next time around these negotiations come. So for Aiton, as a guy that said before he was drafted, what's your goal to get to my second contract? You're there. You got it. Now it's time to get to your third contract. And then you're making, you know, 200 plus million dollars four years from now. Kevin, does this end the Durant stuff? For Phoenix? For now, yeah, I think so. I, I'd be a so little that's surprised. Right. That's done. I mean, I would. Ne- I'd never say done, um, but it's, I just don't it, know it, what you what you put together. It really complicates things because then you're talking about is it Booker? Well, probably not. Is it Mikel Bridges plus you know Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson and whatever other salaries are required? Well, then where are the picks coming from? Where are the draft picks coming from? So I just, I just don't think it's it's that realistic. Yeah, and. One thing on the Durant front, because he he issued that trade request. They said that Sean Marks and his representatives were going to canvas the league and they were going to try to find up, uh, find a deal. And then everything has gone silent, including, according to some reports, Kevin Durant. He's gone silent and not really talked to anybody. Since that time, we know that Kyrie Irving, the expectation is that he'll probably be back in Brooklyn. You know, Ben Simmons, they've got those pictures of him doing the workouts. They signed, uh, you know, some other guys in free agency, uh, you know, to kind of augment that team. Joe Harris should be able to come back. But here's what I'm thinking. I went and looked at the NBA odds today, Kev. And I do think that that is the most instructive towards understanding what is going to happen here. If you look at the NBA odds right now, I foresee no circumstance that Durant is on the Brooklyn Nets next season. Because I just don't think that they would post them. They are right now have the same odds as like Dallas. They have the same odds as like Denver. Like on, it's like on tw- on FanDuel, they're plus two thousands. Yeah, a, that's that's slightly ahead of Denver, Memphis, Dallas, and then Minnesota, Toronto. Kind of have a drop off. Yeah. So that. yeah. So depending where you look, you're talking twenty to one, twenty five to one. Tenth highest odds aren't aren't like extreme. Tenth. No, but they're not going to have that exposure. 
is what I'm saying. A, a, a sports book would not post them at 20, 25. Earlier in the week, it was like 28, I think, at one place. They're not going to post that if they believe Kevin Durant is going to be a net. And usually they know, right? Usually they've got good information on this. So those other teams that are up there, whether it was Phoenix or Miami or some of the other ones that have been mentioned, the odds would not swing too dramatically because those odds are already way low. But in the Nets case, if you're letting someone go in there and bet 20 to 1, 25 to 1, look, we know this. If they run it and they have Kyrie Irving and they have Kevin Durant, they have Ben Simmons and they have that group, their odds, whether their chances or whether we think they would be playing in the title uh, or representing the Eastern Conference or not, uh, if those odds are great, we know that people would bet it. We know people would bet it, and the exposure would just be way too great to have them posted at 20 to 25 to 1. That's what That tells me that they think he's not going to be a net. So if they don't think it, then I don't think it, and that something will end up happening with this, because that's real money. Somebody could walk in there with and and bet that, and so I think that's a hedge that, He's not going to be in Brooklyn. But it's gone quiet. It has gone quiet. Um, And the Phoenix thing is off the table. So I guess we'll just wait and see. But it's going to be a gargantuan return. We know that. Speaking of. Wait a minute. What do you do do if you're, uh, I mean, it's like you're the Nets, right? I, I I reported this week how they're one of the teams that have interest in Donovan Mitchell. We know Miami, um, you know we know New York, of course. The Knicks have interest in him. With the Nets, their demand. Do you think it's possible that they're keeping them on the board tenth highest odds because the demand is an All Star player in return plus a whole bunch of picks? Where it's not like they you know be a crap team all of a sudden. They'd yeah. still be a good competitive team, and they're keeping them on the board in that sense. Like, couldn't that be advantageous for them? Maybe. But again, you're most worried about people betting them and them being awesome. Yeah, but it's not like they have plus 7,000 odds like the Knicks or plus 5,500 like the Hawks. I mean, two, th- plus 2,000 on FanDuel, you bet 100 bucks, you win $2,000 if they win the title. That's a, that's a big, I mean, yeah, that's it, a, it, it, it is. That's a huge it, return. It, it, it is, but also, like, even if they keep Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons, there's still a lot of uncertainty with that team. Would you put them, like, odds-wise ahead of the teams ahead of them? Yes. Boston, Milwaukee, Golden State, Clippers, Suns, Heat, Lakers, Sixers. Maybe not a couple of those. But would, probably, you, would you put the Nets ahead of any of them? They come back with the roster they have. They signed TJ Warren, traded for Royce O'Neal. They bring back Nick Claxton. Are you putting that team ahead of any of those nine? I think, I think they would be on par with Celtics, Bucks. The favorites. In the Eastern Conference, yeah, yeah. I think they'd be on par with that. Even ahead of your uh, Miami Heat? Yeah. Assuming there's no difference. I'm saying if you had the rosters right now. Here's what I'll tell you, Kevin. You ain't ever getting to bet a team 20 to 25 to 1 that has Kevin Durant on it. (laughs) Ever. Ever. It's never happening. You don't get those odds. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. He is still one of the best what, three to five 
players in the NBA easily. So, and we know that you typically have one of those guys when you win an NBA championship. And this year was another example of it where the team that had the best player was the one that won the title in Steph Curry. And so I do think that he's going to be, he's going to be on the move somewhere. It's figuring out where it's our part. And, you know, that Golden State stuff keeps popping up. There's no question, especially after watching them at Summer League, they probably have the, they, if you were, if you were looking for players, they might have the best return. I mean, you got three guys that really didn't play a role in them winning a title last year. Not much of one in Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody. And I mean, <laughs> so if you wanted to package some stuff together with some picks and you wanted to, if you want to take a run at Kevin Durant, I think it would be enticing. I think it would be enticing if you're the Nets. Um, but that would make the NBA community at large absolutely barf. Barf. We can't do that again. We can't do the whole Durant-Golden State thing again. I don't think the Warriors, I mean, like, you can't say no to Kevin Durant, but at the same time, I love... But they don't the, need it. But I love the, th- the thing they have going with their young guys. Yep. Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, Poole, DiVincenzo, those are your five guys coming off the bench, and now you're going to be able to mix and match them in your rotation with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Looney, uh, Wiggins. Like the, the combinations that Kerr's going to be able to put out there can both promote development, put your young players in positions to succeed, and also give them opportunities to shine. It's such a very unique situation for uh, a team that just won a title and has you know three future Hall of Famers on it to have all these young guys like it's like I don't know I don't know if it makes the most sense to blow that up I just I don't feel great about it you're not losing anything that was important to you winning the title you're yeah but like I'm saying blowing up the this path like yeah. you're, you're you're blowing up this youth path this That's right. Spurs path that you're talking about at the same time though it is Kevin Durant it is Kevin Durant <laughs> all right and the goal is to win championships yeah and you can always get more young players Regarding the you can Mitchell. Al- could, well, you can always get more young players, Chris. That's the one thing I'll say. Like, you can. I, well, I just, I, well, one more point on this. Are you totally sold, like on Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody, Poole? Are you sold on them as like, yeah, we have to keep these guys? Oh, none of them are untouchable. Yeah. Right. So, so then it becomes about I mean, the if amount you're, of if you're a young player that that's untouchable, I've got to look at you like, I think you could be one of the best few players at your position in the entire league. That, I'm, I'm talking untouchable. That's when, or I could foresee massive stardom. If you told me none of those guys will make multiple all-star teams, that's not a stretch. Most guys don't make multiple all-star teams. It, now, on the, on the flip side, if you told me that one or two of them will make multiple all-star teams, that wouldn't shock me not either. I'm just, when you ask me, am I convinced? I'm not convinced. You think they'll make multiple all-star teams? I think it's a hard call right now. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to be. Probably not. Probably not, because most guys don't. That's the safer yeah. bet. Yeah, of course. Even Even awesome young players. 
And Poole has clearly proven more than the other three. Mm -hmm. Poole has, he had a really good season last year, breakout season. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Let's get to Donovan Mitchell. Speaking of odds, boy, did those flip. You could have bet Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks at like 3-1, to plus 300-something a day ago. It's like minus 200 this morning. Yeah, maybe, maybe Vegas doesn't know as much as we might think. Maybe they don't. Or maybe they do. <laughs> they have engaged in talks. Do you know something I don't? I mean, the Mitchell stuff's been happening for weeks. Like, I mean, it's like they've, they've had discussions. Right. The Knicks have always been the favorite if he gets dealt. Well, I think it's become real. That's what, you know, that you didn't really know. Realer, for sure. Yeah, that it's getting serious. And they've engaged in talks. They want to get a deal worked out. We know the Knicks have eight future first-round picks. Um, they've got some young talent on their team. I was just listening to an interview with Shams uh, uh, before we were recording. Summer League game was on, and he went on during the game broadcast, and they were talking about that particular deal. And Sam Mitchell, who was calling the game, he's like, you know who I'm going to ask you about, Shams? R.J. Barrett. <laughs> Shams' immediate response was, they'd have to pay R.J. Barrett. Like, almost like, not not dismissing it, just saying, like, R.J. Barrett's about to be up for a contract extension, and that's not really what they're trying to be doing here, is to attain a guy that would be, you know, right in line for having to get a contract extension. And so I think that would turn your attention to, I mean, some of the, you know, maybe end up with some player Grimes, uh, OB, Quickly, you know, those guys aren't as soon to come up on extension talks, but are some young players that very well may have some value for the Knicks. And you got the eight picks. So he got roughly five for Gobert. If you throw in Walker Kessler, five first rounders. What the hell is the price for Mitchell from Danny Ainge? As much or more than that, and the Knicks are able to pay it. I mean, so many of their incoming first round draft picks are protected. So they're diminished in value, but other teams that are interested don't even have those extra draft picks. They have their own. The Knicks have their own and, uh, and others. So they can get creative in the type of deal that they offer. And like you mentioned, you know, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Cam Reddish. There's some guys that have some value that they, get, they could give in a deal. Um, in addition to Evan Fournier with just two fully guaranteed seasons left on his contract as a salary filler. So for the Knicks, to me, I know there are some Knicks fans that think, don't go for Donovan Mitchell. It doesn't make sense with Jalen Brunson. Go for Donovan Mitchell. And then if it doesn't make sense, you trade Jalen Brunson. That's what you do. You go get the superstar player in Donovan Mitchell. You pay what it takes. You finally have a star who wants you, who wants to be in New York, who wants to build something special there and have more bing-bongs after games. Donovan Mitchell gets it. You go get that guy and you figure it out afterwards. Because you know what? 
maybe it does work with Mitchell and Brunson. Maybe two six foot one guards go on and they're hard to stop. They're so small. They're able to generate shots for each other and they build a perfect team and they go on and win a title. But it probably won't be that easy. The odds are having two six foot one guards that were dropping 30 points on each other just a couple months ago. Odds are that there will be issues. And you know what? At that point, figure it out. And the odds are, sorry, Brunson. You're the guy that we're flipping for Donovan Mitchell's star partner that he wants in a year or two or three. So that's the way I look at it if I'm the Knicks, is go get Donovan Mitchell and figure out the rest later. They're both outstanding players for sure. Um, and yeah, give it, give it a run. The question is, how much of it do you give up? And on the flip side, Utah pulls this off and they get a bunch of picks. Most of the NBA. More than OKC, more than New Orleans. And they get a bunch of picks from, you know, they already got a bunch from Minnesota. They get a bunch from the Knicks. Let me tell you what else, Kev. They'll get stuff from Malik Beasley. They will get stuff from Mike Conley. They'll get stuff for Pat Bev. They'll get stuff for Jordan Clarkson. They ripped that thing apart. They got guys that, like, those, those, those guys I just named, they got value to teams. They've got value. Yeah, a first year here, uh, a highly yeah. valuable second rounder here. I mean, yeah, it all adds up. And we get you, right? Like, we give you, like, in the Conley case, we'll take on, you You give us picks, we'll take on some of your expirings. We don't care. Now, all of a sudden, you got Mike Conley, right? You give us some of your crap and your picks, we'll give you Malik Beasley. Now you got a six-man. Same thing with Jordan Clarkson. You know, Pat Bev will be, people are going to want him on their team. He had a profound impact on that Minnesota team last year. He, he did. You know, is there a limit to it when you get to playoff basketball? Is there a limit to him? Somewhat. But having him in your rotation, this guy has been on winning. He's, he's been on winning teams. He was on a winning team with the Clippers. And then, of course, he you know, hump the scorer's table after he knocked out them <laughs> when he's playing for Minnesota <laughs> this year. So, Pat Bev is, he's got value to somebody. So, Danny, by the time he's done, they got a lot of good players. How about Bogdanovich? That's one I didn't even mention. You don't think people would want him? They have good players and they're also not good, which is, it's a good right. year to, it's a good year to be average or bad because of the, you know, the quality of the draft next year. And also, it, I just want to note for the Jazz, Rudy Gobert's agent, Buna, is the same agent for Victor Wembenyama. Mm. Um, I'm not saying like that he would try to steer him to Utah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that there's a relationship there and a respect for each other, and they had a highly successful raw player go into Utah and become a future Hall of Famer. So I, I, th I just think that's one relationship worth noting, um, especially given the fact that, you know, it seemed like Gobert's camp was very happy landing with Minnesota. Um, like he talked about, they did me good, you know, putting me in a winning situation. So I think that's just one storyline to keep in mind. And over the coming year, when you're thinking about the Jazz and they're going to have a lottery pick and they're going to have maybe 18 first-round draft picks over the next seven years, that's what it might end up. They have 12 right now. If they get five or six or seven from the Knicks, who knows how many. I mean, like they, if they, you know, we'll see what they can do with all those picks. Danny Ainge has been in a situation like this before after the KG Pierce trade, but never like this. This is way more picks than he's ever been able to have. Anything. And I also think just from talking to different people and then 
kind of scouring the internet, you change your attention to, okay, who are the guys we're going to be talking about next year? Because we're seeing all this stuff that has taken place in summer league this year. It's all been one by Yama, one by Yama, on and on. And are these teams going to tank for him? And look, we've, we've spoken about him. Anybody that has not taken the time to go watch it on YouTube, it doesn't even look real. That's how awesome the guy is. I mean, it doesn't even look like it should be possible the way he blocks shots and moves up and down the court. It looks like a user-generated player. And if it wasn't a real human being, I would think it was, like, made up. Um, Clearly, he's the prize, okay? There's other guys, man. I told you I went and watched those Thompson twins, who my buddy Sam Vecini wrote about today. Um, the Thompson twins, Amen and Azure Thompson. And I was at a workout six, that they six, did. Six, seven wings. Oh, my yeah, God. Nice. And yeah. it, they glide, and they are fast twitch to the bone, and they are great kids. In fact, I was they're, texting they're, about They're, they're basketball junkies, those kids. Like, they love basketball. They watch YouTube, you know, figure out how to do moves. They install them into their games. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I met the dad. Dad was, I mean... He was awesome. And the kids, they're like, yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, made me feel a little bit old, but they were. You are you, old. I know. But you watch their talent <laughs> and you see the kind of kid that you'd be getting. They're the kind of kids that are going to go into interviews and GMs are going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I have to have him part of my organization. I have to. And, unless both. you have the number one pick. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then the other one. Scooter Henderson, come on, bro. You watch him. Huh. I mean, there's so going to be a, it's going to be a thing. Trust me. It's going to be a thing. It's crazy how the top four potentially could be Wambanyama, overseas prospect, Scoot Henderson, G League, and then the Thompson Twins from Overtime Elite. There could be no college prospects in the top four, potentially. The first college prospect could be Nick Smith from Arkansas, and it's not even like a, a Duke or a Kentucky or a Kansas. It's it's right. Arkansas. Yeah, right. Um, I think, God, there's like three or four McDonald's All-Americans going to Arkansas next year. Yeah, yeah, Anthony Black, too. They, they, they have a number of uh, potential top players. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think it's just like a, a one-man prize. That was my point. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. a good draft. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's like it projects a year out. I mean, we'll see how these kids develop, but... Everybody I talked to around the league right now is like, yeah, this is the type of year that, you know, tank it out, baby. <laughs> tank it out. Go get Wemby. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. As we pivot and think about great prospects, what I'm left with as we touch on Summer League before we get out of here, I think if you go down this draft, this one has been extremely interesting in the sense that you walk out of Summer League and I think all of these fan bases are excited about what they saw. Orlando with Paolo, Oklahoma City with Chet, uh, Jabari, who in Houston, um, Keegan Murray for sure in Sacramento, Jaden Ivey, though we only got to see him for a glimpse in Detroit, but was very good in the glimpse that we saw him. You even get down to six, Matherin. I watched him last night for the Pacers. I mean, they got to be thrilled about what they're watching with him. That's an explosive player. Pull-up jumper looked good. And then it got weird because we didn't get to see Shaden Sharp. We didn't get to see Dyson Daniels. We didn't get to see Jeremy Sohan, uh, Sohan from uh, from Baylor because uh, he had like the COVID thing, missed some practices at the beginning. They held him out. So there were there are certainly some players that we didn't get to see at Summer League, and we'll see what ends up becoming of them. But you go down the top six, if I'm a fan of any of those top six teams, I feel really good, at least after watching these guys play basketball on this, yes, lesser level. But I think all those players showed well. Um, some better than others. And Paolo was just freaky, man. I mean, he played two games. He scored 40 points, had 12 rebounds, 10 assists, went to the free throw line 20 times. It's like, come on. And we saw a lot of Chet, Jabari. Yeah, Murray. Murray was probably the second best. He was probably, might have been the first best of any of them. But I do think, you know, came out of that draft and everybody's got to be pretty excited. Um, history tells us that somebody got the booby prize, but that is not <laughs> evident yet. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah somebody, somebody did. We just don't know who yet. Yeah. Uh, how about like in the rest of the first round? I mean, I, I think Jalen Williams at 12 Love for him. OKC, he looks great. Uh, Tari Eason at 17 for Houston. I mean, like, look, Jabari Smith Jr., you can say... The scoring hasn't been there the way you hope. The ball handling's not the, there the way you hope. But man, defensively, Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason together, those guys for summer league level look unbelievable. Um, Jabari's going to figure I, it out. Yeah, he will. I, like the, the shots are going to fall for him. Uh, uh, for Memphis, how do you like David Roddy? He didn't shoot the ball well, but what do you think? Your early impressions of Roddy? Yeah, I love I love Roddy because Roddy in the second to last game the one where they put up 120 points against Brooklyn, he started to figure it out. And I was over to the moon watching that because he, I think a lot of these guys, it's very, very difficult when they come in if they were the guy on their college team because you've been playing basketball this one way. This is a very, very difficult transition for so many guys when they first go to their college team. And there's only a finite amount of stars, Kevin, and it's the ones that realize I'm not a star. How do I fit in? 
How do I fit into an NBA concept? And that's what coaches and everybody's trying to figure out when you're watching. But that in and of itself is a very difficult transition when you've been the man. It's typically put the ball in my hands. And I did think as that went on, Roddy, who was drafted a lot higher than people thought, you know, he started to get aggressive and started to just play. And I think in many of these cases, I would watch a lot of these young guys. So I would say in some cases, don't panic if your guy didn't play all that well, especially if his destiny is not to be one of the best players in the NBA or even the best players on his team. You know, most guys, they got to figure out where they fit in in the NBA. And that I think that was even true with him and maybe some others in summer league where it's like, all right, where do I fit in? And then you're trying to people please. So it takes away your level of aggression that made you good enough to get to this point. And then they figure it out and they figure it out. I'll tell you the other one. I, look, speaking to them, I watched them today, as you know, and they played the Celtics. J.D. Davidson put on one of the most, like, dominating performances that you could see in a summer league. Now, summer league's made for guards, fast guards, explosive guys. But, bro, his passes, everything. Now, I really resent him for getting rid of the massive blonde fro, which whipped in the wind at Alabama and in <laughs> high school. He's got his hair down now. And I love that huge blonde. I mean, it was enormous. It looked like something out of like NBA Street. And he got rid of it. So I resent that. But damn it, man. He was <laughs> awesome. He was awesome. He destroyed Memphis. Changed his hair. I'm done with him. Yeah. He destroyed me. I mean, I don't know what he ended up with. 30 and 10 or something? Yeah, I mean, it was tw something. 28 points, 10 assists, I think 5, 6 rebounds. Bro, he had 19 in the first half. Like, who knows what becomes of it? But I will tell you this. And he was doing it in different ways, too. He hit spot yes. up threes, you know, playing out of the pick and roll. Hey, that's good. And he hadn't really even done that much. That's another, by the way, little tip. That's another one of the guys that uh, Mike Miller has in his fold, along with Paolo Bancaro. Oh. He's got him because, and Miller knows talent. We've talked about this many times, and he's clearly making waves as an agent just becoming an agent and having the number one pick, he recruited all these kids when he was on Penny Hardaway's staff at Memphis. Now, you got to remember, he was big game hunting when they had the number one recruiting class in the country that Wiseman year. And it, it, it was in part because of him. And so he's out there and he was recruiting Paolo Bancaro and he was recruiting uh, J.D. Davison. He's recruiting all these best players in the country. And so now he had that prior relationship with them because he was recruiting them when they were high school athletes. But, you know, he would identify who he wanted. And that's when he was recruiting for a college. He's doing the same, obviously, with his agency. And I don't know what's going to become of Davison, but I couldn't help but think that today. I'll be like, the damn Mike Miller. What if he friggin', what if this kid turns out? Because, boy, he was good. He was good. He was so much better than everyone on the court. It was embarrassing today. I didn't see the full game live. I only watched the highlights of uh, Davison before we did our podcast. But I, I was very impressed by the playmaking because that, yeah. was, that, that was the one thing like decision making in college was not great. But, like, you know, he can create space. 
You know he can get to the basket. You know, he's explosive around the rim. Um, but playmaking-wise, he he looks sharp with some of the passes and the reads that he was making. I, I was I was impressed by him. And, like, you know, what did he go? 53? 53? Yeah, right? late. I mean, like I mean 53, like, yeah, like what, what a good gamble at that point in the draft. Um, like, there's a couple. Yeah. He was a great high school player. He was. Yeah, he was, yeah. Great he's he's a great college player, too, for that. Well, yeah, let me, really and, and let me let me circle back to Jalen Williams. So I watched him in Utah, and I watched him in Vegas. Yo, I could see Jalen Williams being one of those guys that's in that, and how many times have we talked about this, that like 10 to 15 range where you look back, you're like, wow, I can't believe that guy went yeah. 10 to 15. There's so many awesome players that have been taken in that range. Like from 10 to 15, 10 to 16. Um, he is just good. And I spoke to the aforementioned David Roddy. And Roddy, when I asked him, because he played at Colorado State, I said, who, and they played in all kinds of tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. I asked him who the best player he played against in college was. And he said, I think he said it was Jayla Williams, the kid at Santa Clara. And that's one of those where it's like game recognized game. You, Roddy was an amazing college player, but he told me the best player he played against was Jalen Williams. And then I saw the kid up close and I was like, boy, I see it. He is. He, he's got a chance to be really, really good. And I think Oklahoma City on the surface, they look like they got some serious young talent that they've drafted. No doubt about that. They have two Jalen Williams. I know. <laughs> they have so much talent. They have two of them. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. They have two of them. You mentioned Tari Eason. I'm going to give you a little credit here, Kevin. Oh, draft. Oh, draft. You won't even remember this because you smoked too much cannabis. But a couple of weeks ago, I asked you about, <laughs> you always say you have no memory. So I, I haven't had a memory since I was like 12 years old. That's I'm going to jog new. it for you. That's nothing I, new. I, I asked about a guy who's like low, that could be like a real sleeper that people aren't really talking about. And you know the name you gave me? Peyton Watson. Oh, yeah, he's good. He averaged like three points in 12 minutes or something at UCLA. Yeah, yeah, he barely played at all. Yeah, Sunday, he had 19.7 rebounds, two steals, a block. He's 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan. He can guard everybody. And I was like, Jesus. Like, who is <laughs> How did this guy... What What? What happened? Three points a game? What happened? What are you doing, Mick Cronin, this guy? <laughs> what is Mick Cronin trying at UCLA? This guy... Gotta play your vets, Chris. Really, truly might be the diamond... In, uh, a diamond in the rough. And think about think about also he's going to be playing with Nikola Jokic. He's the, the, got the frame, brother. Yeah, the shots that are going to be created for Watson by Jokic, like he's it's never going to be easier for him than it will be playing with him. I mean, that's embarrassing. Three point three points per game in twelve minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Yeah. What was going on? The guy had nineteen and seven. It, it's it, it's interesting with with a guy like him. You know, a top high school recruit goes to college doesn't play out the way he he would have hoped for. Jaden Hardy goes to the G League, doesn't play out the way you would hope for. 
And, you know, granted, Hardy's had some ups and downs in, in Summer League so far. Today, I, like, we're recording as the game's happening, but I've seen a couple highlights pop up on social. Jaden Hardy, another guy, starting to look like more like the high school version of himself, creating buckets from mid-range, half spins, dropping defenders. The dude's nasty. Um, it's just about, you know, doing it with consistency. So for Peyton Watson, Jaden Hardy, J.D. Davison, you know, a handful of other guys in that second round, too. It's just Summer League. We know it, Chris. Yeah. But some well, of these guys, like, they, they have at least the makings of potential steals, which is cool to see. Well, and it, it reminded me a little bit is how old I am. I remember when the 76ers took Drew Holiday, and it was like, what? That guy didn't do dick at UCLA. He, like, averaged, like, eight points. Like, what are they doing? And sure enough, Drew Holiday's had, like, this unbelievable... NBA career and is now an NBA champion and most people will always laud him as one of the most underrated players that has come through over the course of the past decade. You know, players always talk about how awesome he is, but maybe he hasn't gotten as much media love. And here we have all these years later, another UCLA kid who averaged freaking three points a game. And I'm out there, I- I'm sitting there watching him and I'm like, Six eight seven foot wingspan can bang shots can rebound like how UCLA wasn't even good this year. That UCLA team, I just looked it up. The oh eight oh nine UCLA Bruins. They went twenty six and nine, lost in the second round by twenty points to Villanova. On that team, the NBA players: Darren Collison, Drew Gooden, Malcolm Lee, Drew Holiday. And as you said, Drew Holiday averaged eight point five points per game, which was fourth on the team. Uh, between behind uh, Dragovich, Aboya, Ship, and Collison. Crazy. Yeah. College production is, is not everything. It's not, not everything. No, it's so not. I, I was going to give you credit on that. You know the other one? Good, good efficiency down, by him, though, for what it's worth. Good I'll give you another one that looked like they could knock down shots and maybe just a name to keep an eye on that might have been a steal, and that's Caleb Houston. Oh, yeah, he looks good. Kid from Michigan, yeah, he could knock really down good. shots. He was 5-9 from 3. Um, again, size to get it off. We're seeing some of the, uh, maybe Cam Johnson effect. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I'm into that. Like in the sense of here's here's these bigger guys that can actually, you know, they're long enough that they they're not going to get mangled if they got to guard somebody big because so many guys are all face up now anyway. But that they can really give you an advantage by space in the floor and they can get their shot off. Cause the reason I brought that kid up is cause this, this Caleb, he's not, he's not some kind of mega athlete, but neither is Cam Johnson for that matter. No. Right. But you got to roll in the NBA and he looks, he looked good to me. And also knowing your role and accepting yeah. your role and embracing it and becoming the best possible version of yourself for your team with what the team needs and what you can give it. And like, you yep. know, he he definitely does that already. He did it in college. <laughs> like that's that's who he was in college. He wasn't a, a 25 point per game guy. He was a spot off threes, attack closeouts, make the right play, move the ball, play hard on defense. Yeah, and I just think that Kev, like one of the things I'm left with is because this would be uh well, maybe we'll wrap up on summer league when we next speak, but after we watch it all play out, but I'm left with watching all these guys and whether it's Peyton Watson who averaged three points a game at UCLA or it's Caleb <laughs> Houston who people don't really know that much about or it's freaking J.D. Davidson who got drafted 53rd 
like, I'm kind of starting to think that we're not going to have bad drafts. I think there was a lot of years where there was bad drafts, but it dawned on me while I was at Summer League this year, man, I don't know how many times we're going to look back and just go, that was a bad draft. These players are so damn good. And there's good ones that get drafted, you know, used to be if you were in the second round, you probably, yeah, there's a really good chance you don't have a career. And that's true of a lot of guys, but it's also, you now look at the back end of the first round and it's like every damn year there's a Desmond Bain and a Jordan Poole and a whoever. I mean, you could go on and on. That These are the kind of guys, maybe it's a Peyton Watson. What did he get taken? Like 30-something? 30, yeah, 30. Yeah, might be another one, right? And you look down, and so the level of, the depth of talent is just so great. It really is. There, there's always going to be, you know, good talent. It's just, it's just there's always misses too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah for and, sure. And, but but I, I think to your point, you're saying there are more hits than there were in the past. Is that kind of your... Yeah, your, and uh, I just think that the level of player you can get lower. Yeah. You know? Like, we used to say, like, the Spurs made a, a title out of this. Right? By being able to grab Ginobili where they did, they grabbed... Like, they would routinely get guys maybe a little bit lower, and they would be steals. I'm just saying that these guys that are drafted lower are a higher caliber of player more routinely that that there's more than 30 good guys you know it's just about finding it's, it's just about you got to find them yeah i mean it's tough yo know, for sure it's tough yeah. but there's so many good players so many good players to the point where i'm watching that kid and i'm like how the hell is he a 30th draft pick Six eight with a seven foot wingspan. Then I go look at his college numbers. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it? What is wrong with it? Either either they were just trying to hide him to make sure he comes back for another year. That happened with the kid at Memphis, Josh Minot. You know, just didn't play all that much. But the measurables and the tools are just freaky. And Minnesota got him late. So I uh, I was really impressed. The draft is hard, man. Like it's I know. it's so tough. I mean, whether you have a top pick or second round picks, it's like Herb Jones goes thirty five last year, right? You know, and it's the type of thing with Herb Jones. Like, I remember, like you're the first person I had like a good conversation with about Herb Jones. He recognized his defense, the hustle, the attitude, and that was like two years before his draft. You were talking to people around the league that loved him, and yet he goes thirty five behind. I mean, this is with uh, with all due respect, but like behind Santi Aldama, who was more of an unknown. Right, and that's because Memphis drafted had for thirty-one upside. points oh, two days ago. Yeah. Oh, Hold oh. on. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying <laughs> that as like it was the wrong decision. I'm just saying that so many teams have oh, different sure. different priorities in terms of what they're looking for and, and what is needed on that team. Like Isaiah Todd, he goes thirty-one last year. Right, he's this top high school recruit who struggles in the G League, and he's going behind this dude who pretty clearly is going to be a really good defensive player for a long time. But even then, with Herb Jones. He, he may not have been as valuable in a different situation if he didn't have Fred Vincent as a shooting coach. Maybe, uh, but like I mean... Situation, opportunity, environment. He teammates. was just another one of those, though, Kev, where it was like... He's going to have some level of success. He's, he, he's SEC player of the year, SEC defensive yep. player of the year. Like, 
he's obviously good. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, like, and at least great enough on defense to keep getting chances and chances and chances. Yeah. Even if even if the shot never came along, and even then, like he he has a good rookie year shooting the ball, but he still needs to sustain it. And you'd like him to be better than 35 percent as well. Yeah, but it's a great start. It's a no, great start. there's always gonna be there's always gonna be misses. All I all I mean is, as I was watching those summer league games, I am impressed by the level of talent that oh, yeah. there is now in those summer league games. Because I've been going to summer league for a long time now and watching it for a long time now. The quality of Summer League, the quality of the G League, the level of players that's not even in those, like maybe even for Ignite or that overtime, and then the quality in the NBA, it just keeps on getting better and better. There's a higher caliber of player. I routinely watched guys in Summer League where I'm like, geez, and that guy can't get an NBA job. I think this can partially be uh, contributed to just the the internet. Kids are able to plug in, you know, the name yep. of any basketball player, any guitarist, any any you know chef, and learn things and practice it at home in their driveway, kitchen, whatever it might be. And I, I think young people nowadays are able to have that advantage that prior generations did not which allows them to, you know, there's some advantages and disadvantages to the internet as, you know, we don't need sure. to get into it. But from in terms of learning stuff, the access to information is, I mean, you have the world in the, in the palm of your hand with your cell phone. And as long as you have a working internet connection, you have access to everything. And so I, 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 that's my theory is that's part of it for the young players coming in. You can use it to your advantage. It can also be a disadvantage when they, uh, we've talked about it many times, reach the level of stardom way too early. Right. Yeah. And then and then you get addicted to the likes and retweets and, and the shares and all that type of stuff. I mean, there's a kid right now that's a high school player. My son follows him on Instagram. The guy poses with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in his hands, like oh, draped, a, draped across a Lamborghini. Really? That's not yeah. the guy's got millions of Instagram followers. So, like, what do you what's success? <laughs> like you're 17. You got he obviously he's got hundreds of thousands of dollars and a damn Lamborghini. What what is success? To you, I don't Chris? know. You, you I said don't know. You, you, well, no, you said what is success? What is success to you? I think success to me has changed dramatically. When I was 17, that was. <laughs> you were all about the money <laughs> at 17. Well, everybody, I didn't have some kind of like great worldview about my family and a job that I felt <laughs> secure and happy with. But no. I didn't know what was going to go. I didn't know what was going to happen. I looked across the street uh, and, or like I would go to, you know, there some rich kid would get dropped off at my school and I'd see his dad's Porsche and I would look at it and I would go, wow, man, maybe one day, you know, like it was, I don't know what, what 17 cars and girls and money. That's what you want when you're 17. Right, I, I wanted a fifty in Halo. A what? I, <laughs> yeah, it's a rank. <laughs> what a dork! <laughs> I mean, I mean, you speak in a different language, my guy. <laughs> uh, I threw you the alley oop. All right, and you, you, dun you dunked it. Okay, I wanted. This is why we're the mismatch. Yeah. <laughs> what was success to you? Cars, girls, being good at sports, money. Uh, what do you call it? All? Impala? A, a, a 50. 
It's a, it's a, it was the highest rank in Halo 3. You could get oh, a 50. Wow. Did I ever get it? No, I didn't. It's one, one of my greatest regrets in life. I just never got it. So you feel unsuccessful? Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Still bothers well, me to this day. Never got. Well, you that may have 50. noticed I'm not. I'm not some kind of professional athlete, or <laughs> I'm not. I I don't have as much money as that damn kid on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so is that wild? He, Kids can make that much beat. money. Isn't that nuts? Like with the internet and everything nowadays. Like you hear these stories about thirteen year old entrepreneur starts a oh, business and that, then they have multi million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Hey, good for them, man. Yeah. Good for the, them. The internet's a powerful thing. It is. Yep. There's too many haters out there. I'm not a hater. Like, good for them. I'm glad they, glad they got their money. I mean, do I resent the hell out of them? Of course. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. But I'm no hater. <laughs> you can respect and resent yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time. You have the capacity for those feelings to happen at once. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer Jesse Lopez, as always. And I'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. Have a good one, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.